Trigger warning, this episode contains conversations around suicide, self-harm and alcohol addiction. Welcome to our podcast. This is the podcast which dives into the topic of mental health with me, Venus Libido. And me, Natalie Byrne. We are researching by collecting the conversations and attempting to give solutions. So I'm Venus Libido. And I'm Natalie Byrne. And we are both illustrators who make work around social issues. We both have our own journeys and battles with mental health. Today we are going to be talking about alcohol addiction and being a child of an alcoholic and our experiences and how we got through it. So as usual let's start with some facts. Facts that I have found Natalie are in the UK in 2017 there were 7,697 alcohol specific deaths. Wow. Alcohol misuse is a factor in 30% of suicides each year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's really high, really high. Um, alcohol misuse is the biggest risk factor for death, ill health and disability among mm. 15 to 49-year-olds in the UK and the fifth biggest risk factor across all ages. Mm. And 407 people died from alcohol poisoning in the UK in 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And that's just that's just poisoning, right? That's just the alcohol poisoning. That's like mm. four hundred. That's by people's... accident, isn't it? It's Yeah. Because um, I know yeah. people that have had alcohol poisoning. I've seen it when I was a really young and a teenager. Oh really? When you what from adults? Like when or... I remember being being a teenager and get going to parties and like looking after a couple times looking after people who ended up having to go to hospital with alcohol poisoning oh right I see I mean yeah yeah I had that as well I had lots of like where I lived like alcohol was such a big thing like it was something everyone was always doing like after school Mm. and there was so many like every Friday night there was an ambulance being called like I found 40% of people in alcohol treatment also need mental health treatment, with 20% of them not receiving any mental health treatment. Right, okay. Is this after? Yeah, so that's half like... Half of the people that needed the mental health treatment that were getting mm. treatment for alcohol didn't get any. Yeah. But they needed it. And then I also found, I thought it was important to maybe give a bit of a description which I, of what, what alcoholism is. And I found this on the nacoa.org.uk website. And they say, alcoholism is like an illness that can affect people from all ages and all walks of life. It does not discriminate. People with a drink problem have lost control over their drinking and usually need help to stop. As hard as it is for those around them, only the person drinking can make the decision to accept help. However, you can feel better whether your parent continues to or not. This website is, Mm -hmm. I think it's the, but this whole website is for, uh, to help children of alcoholics. Okay. And then they go on to say, the effects of parental alcohol misuse don't just disappear once children reach 18 or move away from home. Problems often continue into and sometimes only become apparent in adulthood. Millions of adults in the UK are still being affected by their parents' drinking problem or knock-on effects of growing up in a home where alcohol was a problem. A child of an alcoholic can be one or 101. It doesn't change the fact that your parent, step-parent or carer or has been dependent on alcohol along with the problems that that brings. Yeah. And it says, people affected by parental alcohol problems often share similar feelings. Some talk about feelings, feeling different from other people, difficulty making and maintaining intimate relationships, fearing rejection and abandonment, yet rejecting others, being loyal even when loyal is undeserved finding it difficult to have fun 
judging themselves without mercy, fearing failure but sabotaging success, overreacting to changes over which they have no control, lying when it it would just be easy to tell the truth, guessing mm-hmm. at what normal is. Yeah, and just to point out quickly that the one that says lying when it would just be easy to tell the truth, that's just reminding me of what you said from the previous podcast mm. about your problem with like lying yeah. when you knew it was a lot easier to tell the truth. Yeah, I, I remember discovering in my 20s that it's if you have if you're a child of an alcoholic you really struggle to learn that lying is bad because from a very small child I would be answering the door and having to tell people that oh my dad's not in or uh, he's unwell and being told by my parents to lie and that was really hard to as a teenager um, lying was just so I didn't understand that it it was a bad thing to do, you know, and yeah, yeah I think that's it why this is coming natural to you. Yeah, and also just being kind of told to just tell people what they want to hear, um, and yeah. that come came from um, living with a parent that had an alcohol yeah. problem. Yeah, I think looking at that list, I'd say um, like mine was probably. Uh, fearing failure but sabotaging sabotaging success oh. um as someone who is has suffered with like alcohol addiction i when i was going through the addiction oh, i was um <laughs> you just making some water <laughs> <Not me. laughs> sounds pouring like, something sounds like i'm peeing i know i'm sorry it was i was trying to be peeing. hard to be quiet <laughs> I'm just, just give me one second. I'm just feeling. <laughs> sounds like I'm peeing. I'm not peeing. I'm just filling up my. Okay, okay I'm ready. Sorry, sorry. No, you it's Start again. Um, I was. You were so serious. I was just I gonna... fucked it up. <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. Do not remove this from the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. Leave it in, please. Um, because people would just suddenly think one of us is going for a piss. Um. I love it. <laughs> I wasn't um, <laughs> Yeah, so I think um, looking at that list, uh, fearing failure but sabotaging success was one that I struggled with um, when I was living in London because I was, like, abusing alcohol quite a lot, that I feared failure, but every time I had, like, some form of, like, success, whether it was being promoted or making a new friend um there was always some way that I would end up sabotaging it because I was like punishing myself all the time so that one really stands up stands out to me that hits home that's that's really interesting because um Mel Robbins which is a is an audiobook that I like sent you a few note mm. voice notes from um she talks a lot about that and that is something that I'm interested in but it's not necessarily the way that I think I reacted to it but um yeah, yeah it's just a, if that does hit home for anyone that definitely look into um, Mel Robbins I think the book was called um something change change your life or something um it's a book is it yeah I I just have the audiobook oh I have to give that a go so interesting how it can have such a different effect on different people yeah 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 definitely and it's quite nice to see, we'll put this in the show notes, but this, like, list mm. here, looking at it, there's, like, looking at it as someone who abused alcohol, looking at it and thinking, oh, shit, yeah, like, I did think that. And it's, like, actually bringing, like, a massive realisation to a lot of things for me right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I feel it's different for me, but it was when I grew up and especially when I got to my 20s, I was like, oh, I'm living on my own, like, I'm not affected by this yeah. anymore. But then I think just under- looking into it in my 20s, I really saw that I was still really affected by um, growing up with a parent that had mm. an alcohol problem. And I think that's important to say, like, you can be, you can still be an adult and still, it still feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like a 
child every time it's kind of brought up and um I think it's about even if you grow get older you can still have um be affected by it and have yeah. emotions about it yeah well this might be a good point to then go into our stories with it so I was going to ask you um you're speaking about your dad having like an alcohol problem did it mm. lead to you having one I oh that's a good question I I think I very naturally just wanted to be like oh I guess this works I guess I should give this a go kind of um I I smoked from a very young age then very yeah. quickly got I wouldn't say I had like I definitely had a dependency I had to yeah. for social situations I also definitely you know used to drink at school but then I guess I had so much resentment and anger about it but I definitely did drink a lot and um, there were definitely moments where I abused it but I wouldn't say that I um, became an addict I definitely had dependency in social situations which got worse when I was at uni and wanted to keep up with everyone I feel like it's just the same for everybody though isn't it like we we use alcohol as a way to like cope and manage in social situations I think it's it's like a national problem isn't it yeah oh it's it's I think it's it's definitely I think there's definitely different cultures where it is more um I think in in English culture it's just so normalized to drink especially yeah. at a young age especially at a young age it's not yeah. that normal like to drink for for a, like it's not okay for teenagers to drink in chili like that's what my aunties I think they saw me have like two beers and they like well like had a stern word with me <laughs> um oh really yeah <laughs> so but um I think that it's definitely I can see how English culture is um, especially that that young, which is changing now, but when we were definitely at school, it was just so, you know, it was like the Skins era, like, it was just yeah. so normal to just get yeah. totally, totally, like, messed up. And yeah. that was like, It was okay. like the cool thing to do, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was definitely glamorised, I feel oh like. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, like you said, because of things like skins and I'm trying to think, like to, like and like reality TV was like becoming a big thing. Oh, like Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore, like all of these things, and like watching Big Brother and everyone drinking. And, yeah. In certain so, like what is an only a social situation. Yeah. But yeah. And I think even going into the workplace, it was like uh, when I was like interning, it was like. I would get a soft drink and be met with like judgment. <laughs> what? Yeah. What are you doing? I can't drink if you're not drinking. Like this kind of whole culture of yeah. like it's yeah. so normal. Um, yeah. I. But it, and also like drinking to get drunk, not drinking to enjoy the drink. Oh as yeah. Well. And and like if you're upset, here's a drink. Or like if you're happy, here's a drink. You know, it's so, yeah. in our culture in England, it's just so normalized and. Yeah. The binge drinking in in the UK is like, it's um, it's just so n- normal. When I think that, um, especially mm-hmm. in South American culture, there's definitely you know alcohol's a problem for sure, but I think that there's this freedom that young people have, especially in this country, being able to drink so young, um, that it's almost like. Everyone knows people that have had dependency on it and it's kind of not, It's it won't be treated the same as if that person, I don't know, had an eating disorder or something. So what is your um, relationship been like with alcohol? Uh, not good. Um, I drank from quite an early, like, yeah, uh, I drank from quite a young age and quite heavily. So it was like, it started off as like binge drinking, um, probably like the age of like twelve, like with friends, like stealing alcohol from your parents' cupboard, like going out 
on a Friday night drinking down the park. Um, and then, like, slowly, as, like, mental health issues kicked in and my back pain kicked in, I realised that it was a really good um, form of um, release for me. Mm. And, like, a numbing, like, way of removing all the pain. So I then started, like, drinking quite regularly. Um, I was, you know, I, I said in previous um, episodes of the podcast that I would drink in the toilets at school because I was in, like, so much pain and I couldn't sit still and I felt like that was the only thing that was going to work for me because medication wasn't and then you know going to uni drunk a lot going into adult life drunk even more and then yeah just in like social situations like after work constantly going for drinks and then I realized I had a problem because I attempted suicide and the reason I was confident enough to do that was because of alcohol and I never like admitted it or told anybody but I always got home like two hours earlier than my partner and before he came home I would always like drink a bottle of wine before he got in so he wouldn't realise how much I'd been drinking um so I definitely had like a problem and you know I'd wake up at eight o'clock in the morning the first thing I'd think of was alcohol Mm. um the first thing I wanted was alcohol and like at lunchtime I'd always say to someone oh do you want to go down the pub for a drink and they're like but we're working and I was like oh shit yeah and I'd forget that you know I had to work that day and it was just like okay this is I I didn't realize it was an issue until like it was brought up but yeah it's not been a healthy relationship and I've definitely abused it a lot over my life how do you think because you also have a parent that is um like drinks do you how do you think that's affected you and your relationship with alcohol well my dad drinks a lot because again he uses it to ease his pain um because medication doesn't work for him so he drinks like a lot at night um to help him sleep but well, an alcohol, think... an alcoholic. I think the definition that I was told was, you can't go a day without it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, and that was that. That was what it was like for me. Is that still how it is for you now? Yes, but it's like more controlled. Okay, it's definitely more controlled now. But it's I. I still wake up in the morning and it's probably the first thing like I think about Mm. and I don't think I I have ever probably gone a day without even just like sipping at it like or even going to the bottle to smell it or really yeah that's that's interesting that you would just go to smell it if you're if you're trying not to because yeah. I don't know, I, I've had friends have had addictions to like cocaine and it's like <laughs> the smelling cocaine that's just not gonna do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So interesting yeah. to to hear about it from your side. I mean for me I I I remember when I found weed I was like just really didn't really enjoy drinking after that. And Yeah, see I've never done weed. Have you not? No. But then the thing is, this is the thing. I think it's similar to when you were talking about um, your experience in, in the suicide episode that when I went to uni and started doing stuff that I loved, I d- didn't need this escapism, I guess. For me, it was definitely escapism. Yeah. And um, that really helped me. I had like a... I don't know if I've told you this, but I had like a bit of a breakdown my first year of uni. That definitely happened because I was uh, taking a lot of drugs my first year. And I had some emotional stuff going on. I was like brutally cheated on. (laughs) Um, And everything just kind of came crumbling down. And when I uh, had, when I started to I remember just having to make a decision that I just was like going to change, have to change my life because I failed first year of university because of it. And so when I found out that I failed, 
I was like, okay, I've just got to stop. That just gives me horrendous anxiety, like the thought of mm. you taking something that you don't know what it is. Oh, like, yeah. I used to go, like, when I lived in London, or even, like, even when in my uni days, me and my partner, we'd go to a lot of gigs in London, and we were really into, like, um, like drum and bass and garage nights, and constantly having people, like, come up to us and ask us if we want drugs, and, like... Oh, I've just remembered actually something. I... Um, we went to this event, I think it was like a subtract event, and we, I went with Tristan and some friends, and it, it was so packed in this club, and I fainted because my anxiety just hit me, and I was like, I'm not very good in confined spaces, and people kept pushing me, so I like passed out, and I got carried out to the back, and they were like, and I was like waking up, and they wanted to do loads of blood tests on me to see if I'd been taking drugs. Mm. And I was like, look, I don't take drugs. I just had really bad anxiety and I passed out. And they were like, no, we can't let you go till we test you. And I remember looking over and there was this girl that would take like ketamine and she was like foaming at the mouth. Ugh. And I just was like, oh my God. I was like, I was just like, that just does not appeal to me, the thought of taking something from somebody that you don't know, that you don't know what's in it, that's always terrified me. So I, the thought of you doing it, just gives me horrendous anxiety. I've been I've been that person in a tent. I've never taken ketamine, but I've been I've been that person because I'm quite small and quite lightweight and I don't yeah. I yeah, I have been that person that's just like I remember being at like a festival in Bristol and just like all my friends went to the toilet and I like remember sitting down and I woke up in the tent. <laughs> and I remember getting back to uni being like, what have I just, I could have died and told everyone like, you know, everyone's like, how's your weekend? You went to Bristol. I was like, yeah, I, I definitely could have died. <laughs> and being really scared yeah. and shaken up by it. I don't, it. but really like, what, what, what is the appeal? For me, it was like, because I think I'd been surrounded by drug culture from a really young age. Yeah. It was so okay. And also I think there's ways that you can do it when you are being sensible. Um Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I think that because I'm small and little and I had I don't know, I just I think for me, um I don't know, I was always just surrounded by it and it was just so normalised and um anyone yeah. that knows me now knows that yeah. I like don't even really drink. <laughs> so No, you know, yeah, you don't. I've I am very different. And I think for me, there was always yeah. a part of me that thought like, oh, this is what I'm doing because of, you know, I was really unhappy. Um, yeah. And then as soon as I went to uni, I think for me, it was just when I had that kind of emotional breakdown I and I failed first year of uni, I was like, it was such a wake up call that I had to take my mental health seriously and that I had to... Yeah that there was I remember getting to a crossroads and I was like I can't keep going down this same path like I've been doing the exact same thing dealing with my emotions the exact same way for since I was 14 like using everything I could to fix me whether that was alcohol taking drugs or even relationships I remember thinking like this person's going to make me happy and putting so much dependency on all, all of these things and I remember at this crossroads like withholding this piece of paper that I had failed first year of uni and just like mascara tears like on the falling on this paper everyone looking at me like they were like who's this bitch um and uh yeah I just remember just this voice in my head just being like you've got to do something completely different because everything that I was doing wasn't working me going to uni in Sheffield was me running away from a lot of stuff that happened um some like toxic relationships that were um you know a bit abusive and um I think I just that was like a, it was a really tough few weeks but I needed that to kind of have a bit of a wake-up call um yeah when it was actually failing first year of uni that made me realize like I'm <laughs> I don't know, I worked so hard wanting to escape and now these problems that 
were still are still here you know and there's they're ruining yeah. this experience of me yeah. doing my dream which was to go and like study this thing that I wanted to do and yeah um I don't know it was so honestly the whole thing is such a blur because I was drinking so much through it all yeah to give the world a shake one tampon at a time. They create 100% organic biodegradable tampons bespoke to the individual and delivered straight to your door. And they also make CBD oil. We have partnered up with ON to give our listeners a free box of tampons. Choose your tampon type, absorbency, range and quantity when you sign up via their website. Just head over to www.on.co and use the code TLC at checkout. On was born out of a passion for women's health, and so every month when you subscribe to On, they donate 5% of revenue to the girls' programme run by the school club in Zambia. On tampons are the only tampons I use, not only because their branding and packaging is beautiful, but because I don't get cramps when I use On tampons, which goes to show what kind of effect these chemicals can have on our body. Grab yourself a free box now, and you'll be so excited for your next period. That's O-H-N-E dot C-O. And enter TLC at checkout for your free box. another thing to like touch on as well is like I used to be so scared that I drink so much that I don't really remember my past that much Mm. that's that is another reason why I realized I had to change my behavior because I was not remembering a lot of growing up I didn't remember much like I recently spoke to a few people from school and like they were saying like teachers names and I couldn't for the life of me remember like their names they were saying teachers names and I was like who like that's quite scary to look back on it's like to know yeah. that like so much is just gone yeah but also you know it's been a long time <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> people's names <laughs> <laughs> like I uh, don't grow up with many kind of diverse, much diversity in, in my school. And so I very often will like go to the pub or like go out or, you know, go to, go to shopping and get people who, even on Tinder, man, like I get people who are like, oh, blah, blah, from school. I'm like, I, you have blonde hair, blue eyes. You look like every single other person. <laughs> Most other people that oh, went to God. my school, like I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> like, I don't know if we slept together. Oh, I don't know if we like. Oh, <laughs> oh, no idea. Oh, and that's oh, annoying because everyone knows, I guess, because I people say always say I've got a recognizable face because of like being mixed, but yeah, it's a lot to do with drinking as well. What was your university experience like in regards to drinking? Because I know that it can get a lot worse with uni. Well, I was living at home mm. um, when I was at uni and I actually was just like I was quite happy um to just come home and drink by myself so again it was like my like drinking has always been like um I drink just drink alone and I just keep drinking and I keep drinking um so I wouldn't say it was like and I was like, it, when I was at uni, that was like the that was probably like the happiest time of my life was when I was at uni. Um, I enjoyed it so much; it was like the best years of my life. Um, and I, uh, because I was really suffering with my back, 
I used to drive to university and then drive straight home, so I wouldn't necessarily go out drinking with everybody. Mm. Um, so actually, my drinking in uni was kind of controlled to just me being alone in my bedroom, coming home drinking, and then I'd always end up driving up to London to go see my partner because he was in uni in Kingston so then I would just go hit to see him and then we'd spend time together so it was all right it wasn't that bad it was more it got more it was more serious when I was at school and then it calmed down and then it got more serious when I moved to London I because of my anxiety I found it really hard to be like the real me and so I would drink to be more confident around people or to feel like I'd be more interesting for people to be around if I drank because then the real me came out that's a very um, a th- a co- like a thing I I feel like I felt and I feel like other people yeah. have told me that they've used alcohol for to if we're like social environments yeah like mine was that I I find it really hard to talk to people that I don't know mm-hmm. um and to like put on like a fake happiness so I thought if I drink then that side of me will come out um so yeah and it which it did like people would always say oh you're so different when you're when you've had a drink like you're so bubbly I'm like yeah because like that's probably just the real me coming out because I'm too scared to be that person when I'm sober and that's like um, I feel like that would instigate you more to do it more. Like when someone that has an eating disorder, if someone says like, "Oh my god, you look so good, you've lost weight." Oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah is yeah, encouraging, isn't it? It makes you yeah, feel like, "Oh, course. okay, this thing I'm doing, I, I can keep yeah. doing it." But I guess that's like a you know just like a lack of understanding of like saying the wrong thing about an like someone who has an addiction or not knowing they have an addiction it's just the wrong thing that you to say really isn't it but um yeah yeah but then yeah totally it's like things that you I I feel like you pick things up don't you and you you hold on to them like I do that as well and I yeah I've just thought of another thing that happened to me when I was living in London I'm I've literally suppressed all these memories (laughs) until like now talking about it but um when I was living in London, I had, like, a local corner shop that I'd go past every day um, when I'd get off the tube and I'd go home. And I'd go in it every day to get a bottle of wine. And I remember, and I started smoking again when I was living in London and I bought cigarettes and that and that. And there was one time, and it was always the same guy that worked behind the counter, and there was one time I walked in, and I think it was, like, actually a couple of weeks before I attempted my second suicide attempt and the guy went to me are you okay I was like what like I was just like completely taken back by some random person in London asking me if I was okay because that does not happen (laughs) and I was just like what he's like you just come in here and buy a bottle of wine like every day and I don't want to pry but I just want to check you all right and I was like I literally was so scared I was like yes I'm fine and then I just threw my money at him and ran out and then oh. I just had to go to a different shop because I was, like, really scared he was, like, going to do something or... I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you. it's almost like you got caught. Yeah. But I've, just, I've completely forgot about that happening, actually, till just now. Um, and he's, he's... I remember him saying, you know... when I was, As I was walking out, I remember him saying, everything's going to be okay, you know. Oh! I just remember him saying that, and I feel really bad now that I never went back and said thank you. Oh, maybe on the yeah. the season finale we can go back to that. Episode oh shop. gosh, I don't even know what he probably looks like. I was probably half drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so um, sweet that he thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. thought about getting? Have you ever like? Do you know anyone that has gotten help? Have you thought about, like, getting help? Yeah, so um, after my first attempted suicide, I was forced to go to, like, AA meeting. Um, And I think I went to, like, two, and I was like, this is not for me. Like, I I came out of those places wanting to drink even more. Mm. Um, I find it really 
I find it really hard to be in like group therapy mm. and that was all that was on offer like there wasn't anything available in NHS at that time for me as like as an in like an individual therapy kind of session it was group stuff and I find it really hard to like sit and listen to like a group of people like talking about their like substance abuse I find it really I find it really more damaging for me um and so yeah I think I went to like two and I was like I can't do this I need to figure out this out on my own um but that's just me that was just me personally like I'm sure it helps like that was I like you know I wouldn't cross it off I'd definitely go and try it if you haven't tried it because it might be for you but yeah I found it more I found it more like triggering than anything mm. um yeah but yeah I think like my mum goes to um the family's one that, okay. that Nun, and she's gone quite a few times and yeah. um she I think that's when I started to see her dealing with it because I I my mum we I think as a family really struggled with I guess understanding it coping with it yeah um and does your mum mum drink does she no she does she, also, she doesn't have a problem with it I think maybe okay. but she's very like like I am very much like her like I can if I have more than I mean my mum the first time my mum got drunk she she was like married I think I must have been like eight years old all right because she just never really drank because she grew up quite religious um it's not I was the gonna culture say it's because of religion um yeah it's not it's not really in the culture um at all um yeah. and my mum lived with her parents until she got married so um yeah uh, the story of the first time my mum got drunk is hilarious <laughs> she she was with some friends and one time I think she just mm. didn't have dinner and they went for a drink and she came home and my dad had a guest <laughs> and was like don't you remember that we've got blah blah around and I remember being in the house and seeing her going to the toilet and just hearing her fall over <laughs> Oh, and now I'm older, I can piece it together. But we were all worried. We were like, Mum, are you okay? Are you being sick? Have you got migraine? Because yeah. she gets migraines. And like, yeah. she's told me the story now. And she said she was in that room with the tiles and everything was spinning and she could like oh. get herself together. Um, oh, gosh. But yeah, no, my mum my doesn't have a. She doesn't really drink that much. She might have like a glass of wine, I guess, like every two weeks or something. But yeah, my mum doesn't really drink either. And then when I do see her get drunk like once a year, it like really freaks me out. Mm. Yeah, my mum, if she has a bad day, she'll like want to have something and it will hit her immediately. Um, yeah. But no, I think that because um, what, what made my dad's drinking worse is that he had um so at work he had this person that refused to not to pay him so he's a builder and it was a lot of money and then this guy kind of went he went round over to his house to be like you need to pay me and he had this guy attacked like he's about twice the size of my dad and like attacked my your, dad your dad and... got attacked yeah this happens a lot with being a builder and as well you know, Do you know as being what? a freelancer oh my god Seriously, this happened to my dad as well. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, oh, how weird that so happened to you. This is so weird. We are like the same person. This is so strange. I know. The well, more my... and more we talk about things, the more and more we find out we have this. We've had similar things. I've got goosebumps us. right now. I'm freaking out. Like every episode, oh I'm God. like that. That happened to me too. Like, oh my god. I think it's destiny that we were meant to meet each other. Oh my god. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that happens to your family that's like we are not the same people now we go through this and it was this whole big thing that we had to go to court and it like broke my dad and that's what oh made his God. drinking like 10 times worse that it's just not oh god just, i'm so sorry your family went through that it's horrible it's fine i think i think it was tough because i felt like 
oh my goodness, this like life or death experience has happened and you're supposed to look at your life and be like, wow, I'm so grateful for the things I have. And then my dad didn't react that way. And yeah. it, it, it almost like, it, like, I don't know, he, I, it was the opposite effect that it had on like, I guess the rest of the family to him. It, he just like mm. isolated himself and yeah, um, it kind of deteriorated I think that's when the, our relationship started to like deteriorate, I guess. Yeah. Um, and very often we would wake up and like have to find that my dad had like just been passed out like in his office and we would have to like carry him to bed and and it was I guess I just was really frustrated because I feel like me, my mum and my brother it was like, Wow, we're going through this experience together like let's help each other through mm. this let's become stronger for this and I felt like yeah my dad should have reacted that way and I was disappointed that he um let that experience have affect um the yeah. dynamic of the family yeah it's a horrible thing to go through and I think like it's kind it is like fight or flight isn't it and especially when like you've got young children to think about like everything crumbling on top of you like that is so overwhelming yeah um yeah that's so weird that we both had a similar experience there's things for me like growing up that and even like now there's things like that my dad can't do because of his disability and or take us to do things and it always makes me really sad um, that he can't. But, like, when I was a child, it used to make me angry that he couldn't. And, like, certain things that other kids were saying that they were doing that weekend or having or... And I was just like, well, my, my family can't do that. And it was, like, really hard to, like, process that as a child, that actually it's okay. Um, and that goes back to the the people being affected by parental alcohol problems often share mm. similar feelings list that I read earlier that the first one is feeling different from other people I really do believe mm. that what you see especially as a child is what you know and yeah. um it's 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 the same with so many things like having um you know seeing your parent be violent seeing your par parent be a bully seeing a parent have mm. an addiction or smoking I think as a young kid you just see that you just think that's okay because this person that you love yeah. you love this person and this person loves you and then you think that their behavior is it's it's teaching you I guess Should we talk about some solutions? Yeah. Cool. Um, so, for me, what I learned, and I learned this from Russell Brand, um, because I I watched a lot of his videos on YouTube about his like addiction and how he how he overcome it, um, and it's like what he says is. And what I ended up actually doing, like, in real life was, like, focusing on other people and helping other people. Um, so for a minute you stop thinking about yourself and you give purpose to yourself and a distraction and new understandings. Um, so, you know, that's why I started Venus Libido because it gave me a new sense of purpose and I knew that my drawings were helping other people and then that developed into actually, like, doing activism and giving myself like a distraction from from the addiction right that's really great yes <laughs> I like that so that's that's something I would say is like a big part of like what's helped me yeah Russell Brand is a great he um figure like public figure that talks about addiction mm. yeah I would say um the AA and um, Al-Non, which is um, also for families, 
And my mum has found it incredibly mm-hmm. helpful. I think she dealt with a lot of, I mean, um, just understanding it, I think, really helped, has helped me but, and also helped her. And I think for her, just seeing, you know, she would go to these meetings with people that, I don't know, from the outside, was she said, like, you know, this person was so beautiful and has, like you know, this big house and um, also is dealing with this. I think that really, really helped my mum in just, I think for her as well, which I don't really understand because obviously the situation is different because it was her husband um, and her relationship. But I think she um, worked through not blaming herself and she blamed herself a lot of, I guess, not, being and then maybe that's a sexist thing of like being a not good enough wife and then this thing I don't know I don't know she just she also has a book that's um like about wives of alcoholics and um I flicked through it and it talks about like you can't blame yourself like that seems to be a quite big theme if you're married to someone with an alcohol addiction so yeah I think yeah no I I totally get that because I know like Tristan my partner he he didn't, he used to think, he used to feel guilty that he couldn't help, um, and he used to blame himself, and I think also, like, the people around me used to blame him, Mm. um, so, like, my parents, because I was, they couldn't see what was going on, they used to think, well, what's he, what's he doing wrong to, to make me have, like, such an issue that I need to turn to alcohol. I think that comes with understanding it more, I think for me, a big thing was I used to, like, cry a lot and, like, beg a lot as a very small child to... I remember just being on, like, my knees, like, please don't. And, like, I think as a small child, that was really hard to walk away from and be like, you know, I'm, like, your little girl. Like, can't you just stop for me? That was, like, really hard. Yeah. Um, And then when I got older... I think understanding that it's nothing to do with me. Whereas I think as a child, I was really like, um, you know, if I ask, maybe he'll stop. Yeah. And that yeah. was difficult to not make sense of. Because especially as a child, I think you're like, you know, you cry loud enough, you get anything you want. I'm <laughs> the youngest. So yeah. that's always been the case for me. And that was really hard to be like, no. Any kind of childhood memory that I have any kind of time we were in the car my my dad always had this had alcohol on him and all the pieces I think I guess if you if if it isn't a problem in your family I think all those tiny pieces are like I guess the ones that hurt the most because it was almost like well if we get pulled over and they smell alcohol Mm. in your breath you know that was terrifying yeah yeah Okay, to end this episode, we're going to give you some of our favourite things we've watched or seen this week um, that we have used when we have been in a bad place. Um, so, going on to the like topic of uh, abuse and alcohol abuse, um, I I don't know if... I'm sure most people have seen this now because it did go around. Have you seen the Ricky Gervais Afterlife no. series? Um. This is this is a hard one for me because I'm not a fan of Ricky Gervais. Like I, I, I think he's annoying and I think he says things that aren't aligning with what I agree with. But it was really good. <laughs> Annoyingly, it was a really good like thing and it's about um, his wife dies. It's like a Netflix show and his wife his wife dies and he tries to... He says he's going to like kill himself and then it just like goes through him like dealing with that and taking drugs to numb his pain of losing his wife and like trying to find ways to like end his life but I don't know I just thought it was like done in quite a good way mm. um so yeah I, I don't know if you, if you if you haven't seen it I do kind of recommend watching it if you can if it didn't make me cry quite a lot so you, you have to be prepared for it to be it is like really blunt and it's quite brutal. Um, okay. I think I heard him talking about uh, it on, like, an interview one time. 
Yeah, I think I have heard yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my other thing is um, there's a YouTube video by Russell Brand, and it's Russell Brand speaks candidly about his addiction and recovery. Um, we'll put this in the show notes, but it's just a really good... Um, it's just a really good YouTube thing where he um, is talking to his friend um, who's an author called Professor Brad Evans and he basically talks to him about Russell Brand's um, book called Recovery mm. and it's just really good. Like, There's just a lot of things he says in it that are just like really eye-opening um, and he talks about like unhealthy habits and like the the overwhelming need for human connection and those are reasons for addictions um but yeah I definitely recommend watching it I just I just really like watching it now and again because I do really like Russell Brand as well yeah that's so that's so interesting because so much of how like your instinct I think when you go through seeing someone you love become an addict can most people's reaction is quite judgmental it's anger and um Mm -hmm. that idea of if you educate yourself on what addiction really is you will come to the conclusion that the way to tackle it is really and what that person really needs and wants and what like I guess motivates Mm. them to be an addict is feeling um like needing a connection yeah it's all about connections yeah totally and that goes really nicely onto like my takeaways and I have this uh TED talk that I watch when I feel really upset about my dad and um it's called everything you know everything you think you know about addiction is wrong by Johan Hari and it is of such yeah I've heard of this mm, it's such like a tough thing to swallow for me I guess because I have a lot of anger towards uh, my dad and about it all and it's a really like cold hard slap in the face when I watch that which is like not something I find very easy to bring into my life but the way to tack the this like research shows that being angry and being judgmental and shaming the addict actually makes them want to engage in their um, addiction even more yeah yeah and um that's definitely hard for me um Mm. it's it's I don't know I always talk about it like I have a growing up I had a friend who whose dad was an alcoholic, but he was so, like, I don't know, caring and wanted to have, like, a bond with his children and, and like, did fun things and, like, asked them about their day and, like, was present and there and, like, caring. And I, and I struggled to react with love with it because I don't, I don't know, that's an issue that we were working, I don't know if I'm even, like, I don't know it's just gotten to the point where I don't know on I'll, I'll cut this bit out but like me and my dad we don't like I didn't even remember the last time he asked me how I am yeah I I feel you on that one <laughs> it's like I, like I'm sure he I'm sure he cares but I think for someone who's feeling so I, this is the way that I deal with it is that for someone who's feeling so much pain mm it's hard for them to express their love for others and I'm sure that's how it is for your dad mm. I just think especially because I know that's how it is for my dad right it's it's I think I don't I don't know I think that I spent I don't know I it's such a it's such a thing that it's I've like kind of like put a pin in it and like left it and can't pen, yeah. can't can't pen can't mentalized it um yeah and like I just yeah. put all my energy I guess into myself and 
try and bring happiness and joy into my life and I think like every time I do try and like have conversations with him it's just quite exhausting and draining for me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feeling everything you're saying <laughs> I don't know so like I did a thing on my stories a while ago about addiction and I was like the way that I dealt with it was just by not feeling like it was my responsibility no it's not and being quite open about it I think as a as a a lot of people and a lot of people like my mum wants me to like you know forgive him and stuff and it's like the only excuse that people say is like well he you know he's not violent he's he's never beat you like you should love him that's not <laughs> like, no. No, no 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 that's not right right no abuse doesn't necessarily is not always physical like it's and that's just not makes any sense to and me. it's like that's not and it like that doesn't i shouldn't i feel like everyone said like you're gonna feel so guilty when he dies and it's like like for me it's like I don't think that because no one's hit me that that's just a reason that I have to love them no but no such a complex thing for me it's really hard yeah yeah but yeah I was so strange like I don't know like the more we talk the more I feel like so not alone now (laughs) Yeah, it's been quite therapeutic for me. And like, so many people say that the way that I deal with it is wrong. But honestly, like from being a teenager and like being a kid and like begging and putting so much energy into like it to now where I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of cut the cord and like just put all the energy into myself, into the people that I love. Um. Mm it's actually might not be the way to deal with it and it might not be you know the way to I don't know it doesn't feel right to say that that's do you know what I mean because all the research comes to like you should love that person and you should you know be kind to that person I guess and you know be patient which is can I I don't know I don't know I just I feel like I struggle to put I don't know. I guess my work as well has made our relationship like go more distant because he's quite opposite politically. So there's so many layers yeah. to it. It's like I don't know which one yeah, is which. Yeah. I don't know whether alcohol like begins and starts or whether he's just like a t- terrible person. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm. Like I don't know yeah, how no, to it, differentiate. No, it, it does. All. It does make sense. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. So it's like, it I can sense. forgive the addiction, but I can't forgive, you know, the sexist things that he says to me. And so, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, when I say that we've quite gone quite distant and that's a huge part as well with my book and he doesn't really know how to talk to me now that he he sees me as a feminist kind of thing so it's kind of like all of that tied into the whole thing so it's really difficult for me to watch that TED talk try and approach our relationship with love first when you know I have he says things that um are like not cool (laughs) yeah um yeah but it's a lot it's a lot to like take on and it you know, when it comes to, like, love and family, it's like, okay, yeah, it is okay to approach things with love first, but it also has to be reciprocated. Yeah. You know, it's exhausting when it's just coming from one side. Yeah. That's, so, it's, I think, because there are layers to it. I don't know, I really saw other friends that had, parents that had alcohol addictions, but they, I don't know, were there at their, like, plays at the end of the year and they were there at their parent teacher conferences whereas like you know it's really difficult to differentiate like my dad's an alcoholic from my dad as um you know a UKIP supporter from my you know those that my dad are all of those things (laughs) so yeah um I guess if you're if you do feel like your parent is present and there for you and um like is being 
a good person, I think approaching it with love is the way you sh- to approach it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if someone is a bad person, um, being an addict or not, isn't going to change that. Yeah. So yeah. That's how I feel okay. about it. And that's why I feel differently to you. Whereas, you know, just because you have a problem with drinking, you know, I don't see you as the same. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it does make sense. Because, yeah. I don't know, you you have this big heart and you're so giving and loving and, and um, I don't know, I think I think I want to... It's so hard because alcohol can affect these things. Alcohol can make someone, you know, become more distant with you in, in a relationship, which is what I've seen with my parents. And alcohol can yeah. also make you... You know, I think I think a lot with my dad because he feels disconnected from this world that is moving, becoming modern and and going forward. That has also made him fall into the wrong kind of political system because he feels like he's I don't know being paid attention to there. I guess you know you know how like a lot of people will support Trump are still people that feel quite like they've been left behind with modern technology, which is kind of where where my dad has been sitting in all of this um so it's kind of weird because I really do think it's different and I think that if 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 you're a child of an alcoholic that your like alcoholic parent is abusing you physically I don't think you should be approaching it with love um no I think it, it can be different for many different people and such a heavy thing to talk about because you can't say like oh, this yeah. is the way you should deal with it this is the solution to your to having a parent with an alcohol addiction because I think it's so d- dependent on the person like is that person a good person then it's different isn't it yeah yeah I totally agree with you it's like with everything I feel like you have to prioritize yourself first it's kind of like the bullying like if you're stuck in any kind of situation protect yourself first prioritize yourself and your wants and needs and what makes you happy first and then work on the people around you I guess and work on those relationships yeah exactly that's well said my friend there are two other takeaways that um I have (laughs) (laughs) talk about um Daniel Radcliffe's been very open about his um alcohol um addiction as well yeah. and Joey Graceffa yeah. who is a American YouTuber has been honest about his I think a mum I think his mum who's an alcoholic and how that's affected him and his relationship with her and he's done a quite a few videos on that so they were really helped me when I um was struggling with dealing with it so mm. I'm definitely look into that and we'll put that all in the show notes so, you know, another thing that I would think about, like, you like red wine. You like red wine, don't you? I can never say that. Yeah. Red wine. My grandma red wine. drinks, like, a, a shot glass, maybe a bit bigger than a shot glass, because he's, like, little cups mm. that she has are tiny. She has one of those of red wine every day, and she's, like, 89. And she wow. is so, like, her memory is better than mine. Like she's more active than me. <laughs> like she is in such yeah, great like red shape wine is mentally. meant to be really good for you. Yeah, like red wine is so meant I... to be good for you. Yeah, so I think I'm that just even putting it out there. you say, do you want to say it again? <laughs> I it, it is like, and I think it's like every everything in, I guess, in moderation. So, um, yeah. I know that if my dad didn't drink, he would get ill you know so I think that even though cold taking may work for some people I do think that when it comes to addiction it's also important to be smart and to do it yeah. the right way it's a slow it's a, yeah there's a slow process to it and it's mm. not telling someone that they should just they just should stop I don't think is a healthy way of doing it because you, like it's like you said with your dad it can make you really ill um, yeah it can it, it, he's definitely okay. tried to give up quite a few times and it's been it's that's really bad awful to see him go through that um mm. but he at the moment now he's definitely drank drinks way less um but he puts like a line on the bottle 
and oh okay that's a really good way as well to like monitor what you're drinking yeah so even even him is like doing it in a controlled way and you know his memory is kind of going now so um like it's nice to see that growing older and nice to see him actually want you know you've um like cut back a lot on it but it's still this Mm. is an addiction because it's still even if he has one glass he has to have one glass every night yeah of course it's yeah but it's but it's it's a step in the right direction at least yeah and it's but he's been doing that for quite a few years so that's um yeah that's good to see that's good thank you for listening to the loneliness collaboration podcast we hope that everyone has a lovely day and watch out next week for our next episode on guilt and forgiving yourself self-love and how to actually do it If you are worried about your mental health or concerned for another, then please call the Samaritan's Helpline on 116123. Woo! Woo. I'm Venus Libido. Natalie. Oh. What's happening? I was definitely zoned out. Sorry. Okay. Oh, <laughs>